0: Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. Author Kinegas is here with us. He's the president of Future Wave for, it's a nonprofit organization. They developed and produced the product the, the program called, or the film called, The World is My Country. You have got to see that. He's going to be with us discussing not only that, but many of the issues in the world today, including Ukraine and other places. We also have Melanie Bennett, who is the producer of that film, as well as David Gallup, who is Uh, the president of World uh, Service Authority. Let me tell you, they are the guys who create passports that's valid worldwide, well, that they hope to make valid worldwide. I'm also going to give a little personal assertion uh, from some experiences that uh, puts uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson into context. And of course, we have our normal... Uh, news coverage of some of the most important events. So stick around. Let's get busy. Paul Fleming says, since Trump, the Republicans seems to go big on embarrassing themselves. As a person of color that was in the corporate world, I knew that I was going to be scrutinized to no end, but keep my cool to show the fools that are more than they could comprehend. Brother, why did you have to say that? My new book is gonna have all the tribulations that I've had, not only here in the United States, but even in China. As I flew to China, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a quick story that I'm putting in a book. Because that, and sorry guys for digressing, but when Brother Fleming has this to say, he brings back a lot of memories, right? Uh, you guys know I'm a software engineer, mechanical engineer, all that kind of stuff. I work for corporate America. I work for the big oil companies, the big oil service companies for, few, for a very short time before I did my own. But there was this particular product that I uh, helped design in uh, called TDS. Not, that TDS 11 was the other one. PDP, the sis PD, uh, ah, I forgot the name of it now. Anyway, it was for a company called... Uh, uh, what was the company that I worked for? Anyway, it was one of the shell companies, I believe. And um, so they got purchased by the company, a company in China. It turns out that company in China was looking for a company in the United States to build an oil wig, dresser atlas, that was the company, to build an oil well login machine, that computer system, right? You drop a tool in a well and you're pulling the tool and that tool is going to send out radiation to the different parts of the world to say where there's hydrocarbons, all that good stuff. And I wrote what's called the idle loop of that particular thing, which was that thing that exchange, go to job one, go to job two, pick the data up here, blow the hole there, that sort of thing, right? And we formed a company, <laughs> well, before we even formed the company, and I got to tell you guys this because people would look at what Paul Fleming had to say and think, there we go again, playing the card, but it's not so. The first thing that happened is I worked for, a, beforehand, worked for a company called NL Industries. And this uh, friend of mine who worked there, God rest his soul now, he needed a software guy to do the software. And this guy wanted to to for us to go ahead and work under his domain. So we decided, okay, I'll work with him. I was at NASA then, and I said, I'll work with him. And I'll, you know, we'll go ahead and work for this guy because it was a startup, all that good stuff. And the guy comes and he said, oh, I tell you what, about salaries. And this is back in the late 80s. And he said, I will give Jerry, that's the white guy, $60,000. Egberto, you got 40,000. This was back in like 80, early 80s. I mean, middle 80s, right? Actually, 89, I think it was. 88, 89. And it was funny because... At NASA, number one, I was making more than that then, and not only that, I was making more than Jerry at NASA. Right? Jerry was about twenty years older than me, and it was funny because exactly as Paul just said, the thing, the preconceived notions that one has, and and the way you're judged, and so forth. It's it is it can be demoralizing. This stuff, if you it it it. it it, it really hurts, and if, if you listen to what Paul Fleming says, having to do things differently, it does, whether people want to accept it, a lot of times we just play strong and all of that, we don't care about it, and we just go on with life, but it actually, actually does hurt that you have to constantly be on your game. Here's what I said in the tweet. I said, I am very happy for my mother my father, my Panamanian village that I grew up in and the local village that I've created because I've sent all those realities what I went through in life in corporate America and in my in in my own business uh, would have been very, very hard to get through especially in the profession that I'm in And for those of you who are software engineers, in corporate America, going out on your own, you'll understand what I'm saying. But anyway, that was a start. He said, um, Egberto, I'll give Jerry 60, you'll get 40. But I wasn't the only thing. Okay, so we, we went ahead and I said, hell no, that's not how it's gonna work. So Jerry, myself, and a guy from Taiwan formed a company called uh, PWL. It stand, stood for Pace Willys Low. Three, a uh, uh, white guy, black guy, Asian guy. So now it's time to go to China. So we have to go to China for two weeks to talk to all the engineers to develop this particular product, right? And we're, we're off to China. And we go to China, and I am, when we get onto the big tables with all the engineers or whatever, I am completely disregarded. You know, the, the, the image that America has placed on people who look like me, completely disregarded. Even the Taiwanese guy, he was in China, of course, but the Taiwanese partner, he was a physicist. I was a, the, 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 designing the software and Jerry was designing the hardware. And it was funny because even the Chinese guy, the Taiwanese guy, he got tacit support. But Jerry was treated like a king, completely like a king, right? Again, it's how the world sees the world. And we were there now talking, talking, and I didn't know that this company bought Dresser Atlas's, uh, can't remember the name of the thing, PDS-11, something like that. I didn't know that they bought it. So when they bought it, I'm like, I worked for that company. And they're like, oh, really? Cool. All right. Nice, nice, nice. You know, that's how they did. And I said, yeah. And, And, you know, they brought a whole bunch of code. The code is this big because what we had to do with this new system that we had, it was a very new modern system, and they wanted us to know that they wanted to do better than what the dresser Atlas system did. And I said, oh, I worked on that, and they're like, you know, that, that look that you like, oh yeah, sure you did, all uh-huh, right, right. So I said, um, I actually wrote the idle loop. The idle loop was that part of the software, it's a huge piece of software that goes ahead and take data from everything, put it together, all that kind of stuff, right? And one of the engineers ran into the room. I from then I was the king. I was Mister Willies, Mister Willies, and everything they had to ask about software. Ask that's how I learned about Askima. Askima is software in Mandarin, right? Uh, so that, that you'd have all the engineers asking. Ask all I heard was Askima. Askima. And the translator would come and started talking to uh, to me, and they exclusively. Left Jerry and I was the team guy from this new company at that point because they saw major corporation and they had in house the author of a piece of the software that they spent millions to buy from a United States corporation and it it, it when what Fleming just said makes sense you have to jerry went there and it was assumed that jerry was the person who did all this engineering and all that sort of stuff right i was the one placed on the back burner but i was the one designing the system the the entire software system which is what you know the hard most of the hardware was off the shelf the bond tools that go into the well came from other places and it took having to prove yourself over and over and over again. Miss Jackson, Miss Jackson is more qualified than just about Every single person on the Supreme Court, given her education, given that she has been on both sides of the law as a defender, she has experience. As a prosecutor, she has experience with dealing with prosecutors and as a judge, district judge and regional drug judge, she has experience. Something none of them have all in the aggregate. But she... They want to know her or her her LSAT scores. They want to know all these things about her, whether she is qualified. I mean, Amy Barrett wasn't asked that. So um, the reason I wanted to spend some extended time on this is because it is common, it is common for when somebody of color just said, well, you know, that only happened because. It is always easy to say, there you go again. Yeah, we know there's discrimination, but everything isn't discrimination. And sometimes it's just politics or whatever. And that's true. You have to be very careful when you call out discrimination. Otherwise, it loses its punch, its value when it really needs to be called out. But God, the thing about it, it has to be called out so often, especially where professionals come into the fold. Bob Woodward, great reporter. I mean, he is the one who found out about Watergate, right? Of course. But anyway, let's let, let's see what he has to say about um, t- false equivalence. Uh, he, he came on TV and he tried to create this false equivalence between the right and the left. But good for him or good for us? Guess who had our backs? Gene Robinson and who would you know? The conservative Joe Scarborough. Want you to listen to this. And then let's go ahead and take it on the other side.
1: It is so indicative of how the Republican Party plays victim, uh, how they try to play this phony populist game. You have the wife of a Supreme Court justice, one of the most powerful conservative people in Washington, D.C., talking to the chief of staff in the White House, the president of the United States, most powerful person in the world, saying, don't cave to the elites. These two are the <laughs> elites. They are at the center of power, if anybody's at the center of power. And she's throwing out that victimhood. Isn't that so representative of what Republicans have been doing for years? They play victims when they're the ones most firmly ensconced in power after going to Yale and Stanford. Uh, If you look at these senators and and Princeton and Harvard and on and on and on, it's such a phony populist game.
2: The evidence is there in these texts, but I think we just have to pull back, or at least I personally, as a reporter on this, and uh, say it's not just the right way. Uh, Uh, There is a lot of this kind of emotional... There is only one way to look at this from the left. And uh, if we... As a country, have to face that now, Gene. You're disagreeing.
0: Well, I, you're getting a skeptical look because I, yes, there are extreme voices on the left. Um, I think I, I, I don't think this is an right this left. is
2: an equal balance thing. <laughs> I don't think this is. Um, I think because what you saw was the Republican Party writ large.
0: Um, uh, Basically losing its mind, but going, becoming a Trumpist party, um, and and adopting positions that establishment Republicans were horrified by, um, very conservative establishment Republicans were horrified by. I
2: don't well, see and something equivalent happening. Okay, otherwise. absolutely a, a fair and provable point. Uh, and and the question is uh with Jenny Thomas and Mark Meadows and so forth are they fringe representatives or do they represent what you're talking about uh-huh. and i i think there's a little of both and uh but i i just think it would be a mistake to to say this is only the Republicans, and Trump. But you're absolutely right. They got their president. And evidence that Robert Costa and I have, uh, Trump is going to run again. Uh, The number 73 million is a big number. It's a big number. And a lot of them are there for him. Gene, you're absolutely right. We have,
1: by the way, this is uh, Donald Trump has the highest approval rating in that Republican party. Mm -hmm. You have Jenny Thomas and the then chief of staff of the White House. What are they talking about? Are they talking about fiscal issues? Are they talking about social issues that can be debated? No, they're talking about overthrowing a duly elected president of the United States, arresting him, arresting his family, Putting them on a barge to stand trial off of Guantanamo Bay. There is that is a false equivalency. And while there are progressives, while there are progressives uh, that that on 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 certain policy issues are not uh, mainstream with the rest of the American people. Uh, I do not see leaders of the Democratic Party saying Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators elected are gonna be put On a barge, bureaucrats, social media censorship monitors, (laughs) mainstream media reporters are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now. And over the coming days, says the wife of a Supreme Court justice to the chief of staff of a Republican president who is trying to defraud the American people and still... The presidency, and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition. If there is a parallel with any Democratic leader in Washington, D.C., let me know right
0: now. We—that spent- That is amazing. That is simply amazing. It should not even be asked if there is any similarity at all between these two, uh, these two ideologies, these two parties. And it, if it weren't for Gene and, and Joe Scarborough, just right there coming out with fact carte blanche, that would have been left in the ethos. And people would say, well, on one side we have this, but on the other side, we have that. Thank you very much for doing what you guys did there. That is very important that we get that done and that we had gotten it done now there's no equivalency between what's occurring on the right with what's what occurs on the left and the faster we start acting that way the faster we will actually get things changed and get things done are you ready for a kpft special event i hope you are because guess what we're having an evening with Amy Goodman of Democracy Now. Amy Goodman is an American journalist, columnist, and author best known as the co-founder and host of that show we all love, Democracy Now, the War and Peace Report. She's a liberal progressive daily, it's a liberal progressive daily news program produced in New York City. It is a syndicated, it's it's syndicated on the radio and television in the United States and broadcasts on the internet. So on Thursday, April 14th, 2022, Couple of weeks or so between 7 and 8:30, she's going to have an evening with her. And participating will be Stephanie Wells, who is the Pacifica Executive Director, as well as Dr. Robert Franklin, who is our KPFT general manager. So please sign up, register on the Zoom ID 850. 850- Four zero one five one zero three six, Or just go to kpft.org to get more information and click on that link to register. We have an excellent cast today. Like you guys would not imagine. We have Arthur Canigas is president of Future Wave Inc., a nonprofit organization dedicated to shifting our culture of violence to a culture of peace. He is the director, producer of The world is my country about the amazing adventures of world citizen number one, Gary Davis. David Gallup specializes in human rights, world citizen and world law education. He's the president and general counsel of the World Service Authorities, Washington, D.C., a global public service human rights organization founded in 1954. He is also a board member of Citizens for Global Solutions, CGS team leader of the Peace and Youth Outreach Program and convener of the World Court of Human Rights Coalition. And of course, least but not least, but a very powerful woman. Melanie Bennett is the producer of The World Is My Country and the podcast People Powered Planet podcast. And anytime I hear people powered, you guys know what I stand for. You are my hero. But anyhow, let's go ahead and get our folks to introduce themselves. Melanie, tell me a little bit about yourself
3: well i've been excited to be a part of the solution of stopping war and having world peace for quite some time and have enjoyed being part of the world is my country project and i'm very excited to be here so thank you
0: excellent job david talk to me yes Roberto,
4: Yeah, i'm delighted to be here thank you for having us today uh, my name is david gallup i'm a human rights lawyer Um, the president and chief attorney of World Service Authority, which is the organization that Gary Davis uh, founded in 1954. He's the fellow who is the main uh, event or the main uh, focus in the film, The World is My Country, uh, talking about how we can find solutions to deal with the global situation that we're in now, that we've been in uh, forever, which leads us to war. So how how do we find law that could lead us to peace?
0: Love that. And last but not least is author Kanegas, I mean, my brother, we've spoken several times before. You know, I love you, man. Talk to me. Uh, love you so much and your show and and your wonderful
5: daughter and just your 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 terrific presentation to the world. Uh, yes, I'm I, as you mentioned, am the director of the film The World is My Country. And Gary Davis was a was a good friend of mine for a quarter of a century. Uh, and. Uh, he was he 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 was world citizen number one. And our film is introduced by Martin Sheen, who fell in love with Gary when he heard Gary's story and just said, you know, the world has to have this story. He calls it a roadmap to a better future. And, you know, Gary started off. Uh, he was a song and dance man on Broadway. Danny, he's understudy. And then he's ordered to bomb the city of Brandenburg. And he sees the footage, the people he's killed in their homes and schools and factories, and his own brother's killed and his heart is broken. He says, well, you'll see, I'll play you a little clip. He says, why wasn't I arrested for, uh, you know, for uh, for bombing people, blowing them up in their homes, anywhere in the world, every country in the world, murder is illegal and outside it. It's not illegal. We can just go blow up people anytime. This is crazy. And uh, this sent him on his mission. Uh, so uh, at some point when you're ready, we could even start off with a little clip about but Let's him. go ahead and play that clip right now. All right. And I read
6: Tom Paine's The Rights of Men. Tom Paine made that famous statement, my country is the world. So if the world is our country, this is too simple, really. If the world is our country and we claim it, And we raise our allegiance to that level to the top level (laughs) no more fictional borders that's the key and therefore no more wars suddenly you know it becomes very clear to me i didn't get arrested for bombing cities because there's no law against it the national politicians fool us by talking about international law. But treaties are just deals between sovereign nation states which can be broken and are all through history. Here before his cabinet, President Coolidge signed for the United States. A treaty designed to outlaw war. Because there's no police force to enforce them. In other words, very simply, no world law. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And that, folks, is why we fought World War II. A war between the nations, not between us, the peoples. If we had had world law, we could have eliminated the global lawlessness, the world anarchy that gave rise to Hitler and the Holocaust. And my brother would be alive today.
2: There never was a war in history easier to prevent by timely action than the one which has just desolated such great areas of the globe. It could have been prevented, in my belief, without the firing of a single shot. Now when Kansas and Colorado have a quarrel over the wa- water in the Arkansas River, they
6: don't call out the National Guard in each state and go to war over it. They bring a suit in the Supreme Court of the United States and abide by the decision. Isn't a reason in the world why we cannot do that internationally. It'll be just as easy for nations to get along in a republic of the world as it is for us to get along in the republic of the United States. When I finally realized that world law is essential for the very survival of humanity, I knew I had to take action. But what? I'm an actor. I never studied law. I never went to law school. What can I do? I think all of you are asking probably that big, right, big um, question.
0: Let me ask you something. Tell, first of all, tell me the gist, what you got out of that clip. Uh, l- let me start with Melanie. Melanie, what did you get out of that clip?
3: Well, I think the power of, of law and the fact that uh, uh, if we have world law, then we can solve a lot of problems.
0: Now, it's interesting, uh, you know, Arthur, that when I watch him, right, when, when he talks about how can we have false boundaries, what does that really mean? What does that mean to you?
5: Well... You know, in the inside the United States, we would never think of, of Pennsylvania and New York going to war to solve their problems or any states. I mean you know, humanity has already invented a system that eliminates war. That doesn't mean there's no problems or crimes. But, you know, even when Tim McVeigh blew up the federal building, Michigan didn't, you know, uh, didn't de- uh, Oklahoma didn't declare war on Michigan for harboring the Michigan militia. <laughs> you know, it's handled as a criminal justice thing. You don't have to blow people up. Uh, I think in your own life, you had an experience where they were trying. Maybe you want to share a minute.
0: you well, I mean, I'll just say quickly, because it's about you guys, not me. But back in uh, back in Panama, you know, Bush invaded in 1989 because they claimed they wanted to get Manuel Antonio Norriega, who was the dictator of Panama, but who worked for the CIA. And when he asked them to invade another country in Central America, he said, hell no. And Bush said, well, hell yes, we're going to blow you up if you don't do what we ask you to do. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But then they decided to fly into Panama brought the brigades in killed 10,000 Panamanians, kill, claim they only killed 1,000 Panamanians. They, uh, they bombed a country without Air Force, Marine, Navy, or whatever. And it's not at all different than what's happening in Ukraine. Now, look, what's happening in Ukraine is horrendous. Russia is doing something that is horrendous, and we are doing the right thing by supporting Ukraine. In my humble opinion, I'd like to hear yours. In my hum- humble opinion, we're doing right by supporting I'm trying to end this war there, but they are doing nothing that we ourselves haven't done. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, David. Well, Gary once said to me, peace is
4: not the absence of war. It's the presence of law. And we don't have a a common world law that means that if you shoot someone on the streets of Panama City or you shoot someone on the streets of of Washington, D.C., well, within those places, in those locales, it is murder but outside of that nation state system, it is not. In fact, there are actual humanitarian, international humanitarian laws that, like the Geneva Conventions, that say that killing can be legal as long as it's restricted uh, to uh, military combatants and military targets and not civilians, as long as it's quick and winnable. Well, most wars nowadays, and we've seen in the news, the, the most recent war here in Ukraine, that the majority of casualties are civilians, about 80%, if not more, our civilians. So this system that we're still working in, uh, however you want to say we want to support, uh, of course, our fellow humans, but I want to say to take this idea outside of the the system that we're in and say, well, we don't want to support people as Ukrainians or people as Russians, uh, although we do, we want to support them as, as human beings. So we really have to start thinking about a different mindset and a mindset of law that we haven't had before. And within the nation state system, within uh, with the International Court of Justice or the UN Charter, it will, because uh, if you look at Article two of the UN Charter, it actually embeds a principle that is the biggest problem, I think. And that is that nation states uh, are sovereign and you cannot pierce the veil of that sovereignty if there is violence or human rights violations going on within. Or if one nation starts fighting another nation uh, because they say it's for self-defense, then how do you stop that? And especially in the nuclear age, it's almost impossible to stop that. So until we remove those weapons, until we add law beyond this nation state system, we're going to keep getting into these wars one after the other.
0: But we know one of the countries that would least want to be a part of the excluding the, the exception for, na- not exception, but what the nation state is, or the sovereignty of a nation state is the United States. I mean, we are not even part of the world court. I mean, the world, uh, the Hague, is that correct? Uh, the uh, International author? Criminal Court. Yeah. The criminal, yes,
5: that- the the U.S. Uh, is signed on to the International Court of Justice, which is, I mean, excuse me, the, the International Court, yeah, the Court of Justice in the Hague, which is the body of the, U, the U.N., and that body has already ruled that this war in in uh, Ukraine is illegal and ordered ordered Russia to stop it. And of course. Uh, Russia is actually legally compel compelled. It's illegally enforced. It's illegally, uh, but it's legally bound. But there's no <laughs> cops to enforce it, as Gary said. Even though, like Kellogg Brown, it is a legal pact they're part of. Uh, but there's also another thing called the International Criminal Court, which makes the individuals who do this, like an individual, like uh, like right. a Putin, or or anyone who orders uh, uh, a war crime that individual can be prosecuted. And that has been used effectively against some of the African dictators who've, who've hit crazy wars. But when it comes to the powerful countries, you know, they just
0: refuse. Uh, well, and we are US, not uh, signatory to that. As I am. Maybe, uh, maybe I got it wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, we are not signatory, nor is Russia to that, uh, to that correct?
5: David, do you know that? You, In the well, International so Criminal Court.
4: The International Criminal Court, the U.S. has not ratified that uh, Treaty of Rome meaning that they're outside. And I don't I don't think Russia has either. Uh, so that means that they can't, you know, the leaders of those countries cannot be uh, taken to task or prosecuted in that court. And of course, if they tried, well, that's certainly when perhaps nuclear
0: weapons would start to be dropped, maybe even on the Hague. <laughs> now I'm going to go off. I'm going to go a sideways topic uh, uh, just because I love the title of her podcast, People Powered Planet podcast. So what can we do um melanie where where we can start trying to get our leaders to be a bit more less state sovereign and more world world cooperative if you will after all it's a people powered planet right
3: right and what I'd like to add to that uh, how to get people to change well uh if you i would note, we have a system scientist that's incredible, Rianne Eisler. Uh, She wrote the book, The Chalice and the Blade, among many, many other books and, and incredible work. And what she has found is that we're in a system, we're in a domination system, basically. There are societies today that are more partnerism. So there's a social scale. On one side, you have the domination societies where there's a hierarchy there's in and out groups there is force and fear
0: why don't you give us some example of what you call a dominating society and a more cooperative society
3: okay for example you have the united states very hierarchical very dominating very violent um unfortunately and then you have the nordic states there's um Norway, for example, Sweden, where there's more uh, one one thing you might notice, there's more women in government where there's more equality of the genders, which is very helpful. And um, there's more caring. Uh, people have parental leave, whether they're male or female. It's very exciting. So they're more geared towards the partnerism system. And I want
0: to I, I want to expand on that because you hit on something that I think is very important and it applies here to the United States. The United States would tell you that those guys over there, they are so. Socialists and people don't have options, but we are not that hierarchy that you you actually see. And not only that, that you understand that uh, this false individualism in the United States is just that, a false individualism that really captures you into some sort of indentured servitude. Why don't you kind of expand on that?
3: Well, so I think what you're saying is that, that there are a lot of societies today that have this domination system. And um, I'd like to add also there were a lot of partner, more partnerism systems way back uh, 5,000, 10,000 years ago. Um, so as far as your question, could you pinpoint your question?
0: Well, let, me exp- let me tell you what I mean exactly, right? We have this, we have this belief that we have this freedom freedom of choice, freedom to do everything that we want to do. When in reality, if you take a look, corporate power, whatever, you have to be invited into the corporate structure. Women for a long time haven't been invited. Uh, Others haven't been invited. And I'm going to get back to our our war stance in a minute, but I think this is a part of the whole picture as well. Uh, where, where, Where others have been excluded in a framework that claims each individual has equal access to success when you have a country like Norway or Sweden, as you mentioned before, where the state has already said all of us are entitled to these real freedoms that make sure we have good existences. I mean, they're, they're, one, one has an, a false level of individualism and one's social structure allows for real individualism.
3: That is such an interesting point. Yes, I would just say from my experience, I think we all get inculcated with this information and we believe um, it's kind of you would just say propaganda. So uh, here I thought I was okay, and I was a uh, women were doing great. But then you find out, my goodness, uh, we're not really in government. And you just you know, when you start to really. Focus on that. You really see it everywhere where, my goodness, uh, we, I really don't have rights. And then to, to really find out, OK, I do have more rights because I am white. And and just that feeling and, and, and bringing that into your heart, how much that is um, there. And when you don't notice it, I think it's just the question of kind of what you're taught as a child. And that's um, Rian Os- Eisler speaks about that. So it is just... Um, a belief system. And and once you're brought out of it, then it, it's really opened your eyes. So, yes, it's it's but but in the Nordic uh, countries, there where there sometimes you have to force people to change. For example, they gave parental leave for men and women and the men weren't taking it. And then they said if if the men don't take it, then nobody gets it. So then the men started taking it because they're, they're, they're taught that that to be caring and nurturing is bad. So um, I think we all just get uh, sucked in by this.
0: I, and I want to tie that now into Ken, I know you want to say something, but I, I, I want to kind of tie you into a, 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 tie you into a part of this discussion that I think is important. I think We are talking about wars, et cetera, that, uh, you know, which, yes. But I think as people mature and get smarter and realize that they've been had, isn't that one of the reasons, and if you even take a look at uh, Ukraine, uh, people realizing that the the things that they want and, and the dominant structure that Melanie has been talking about wants to remain dominant and they cannot see this new thing and they're going to execute I mean, here in America, we have had a class that wanted to remain dominant, and that's why it's a warring class. Expand on that, if you will, and then tell me what it is that you want to add to that. Oh, Melanie, are you talking to me now? That's new, Ken. Oh, okay. Author,
5: author, author. Oh, Okay, okay. Yes. Uh, okay, well, first of all, uh, yes, I think that uh, the key is, the key to developing this, what, what Melanie was talking about in our podcast, the People Powered Planet podcast, is that all around the world, people basically want the same kind of things. They want peace. They want freedom. And they and they're manipulated. Separ- we're we're locked in these boxes called nation states, and the corporations are acting globally. Originally, the corporations were under the United uh, under the people. And in Jefferson's day, they had a 20-year charter to serve the people. But then they said, "Oh, if you try to regulate us, uh, try to tax us, we'll go abroad. We control our pollution, we'll go abroad." So they gained all the power, they gained all the money, and they're all running running the world. And they keep us divided in these boxes. But there's a superpower, a superpower waiting to emerge that can put stop all these wars and everything. And that superpower is the will of the people of the planet. You know the 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 the. Um, Every single constitution starts with, uh, almost every constitution starts with, uh, it's based on the will of the people, Uh, the, the, the people, we the people of the United States, we the people of these other countries, and basically when we the people break out of that nation state box. When we stop thinking, we have to solve the problem by convincing our leaders, begging and pleading our leaders, and realize that these guys are working, working for us. We created them. And the Gary came to an amazing realization. You know, it wasn't called the application for independence. They didn't say to Britain, oh, please, oh, come on, give us independence. We'll lobby. We'll, we'll write more letters. We'll please and beg. They declared independence. They did it. We, the people of the United States, have to declare a government of, by, and for the people of the earth. And Gary took the amazing step of actually doing that. And and David down there in Washington is part of that government that issues world passports, world IDs, and so on. It's the very beginning stages, but it's a shift in our ideas and our concept. When we start stop thinking of ourselves as the governed and think of ourselves as the governors of this small planet, when we realize that we're the sovereigns who create it, and we start creating, using these incredible tools of the internet to start creating ways that we, the people, can can actually begin to enforce world law. We can say, OK, you know, your, your company's going to uh, uh, violate world law and and, and and support this thing. Then we go through the supermarket, we scan products. Oh, this is a, a world, world law violator. We won't By that. Apply for jobs? Oh, we won't apply. They're they're a world law violator. Load the ships? No, we won't load the ships. Uh, You know, ship the stuff. I mean, we the people have have the power. They all get their power from us. If we withhold it and take it up to the world level and create what Gary called the people-powered planet, we are the superpower and the only superpower that can save us. You in our film, I asked Leonardo DiCaprio. I talked with him, and I said, "You know, in the movies, <laughs> you know, at the last minute when things look impossible, a hero comes along and saves the day. Who's the hero who can save us?" And he says, "Well, the hero is all of us, and that's what we have to do. We have to be the hero who steps to the plate, stops thinking that it all comes from begging and pleading existing leaders, and we become the leaders of our world."
0: That is a that's People. a very good point. Now, David, I heard um, uh, Arthur kind of. I mentioned you with regards to world passports and all that sort of thing. First of all, I like th- that kind of a- idea. I'm going to want to digress a bit afterwards because I think um, and Melanie alluded to that when she said we have to remove the indoctrination from, from, from the people. And that is the hardest part. My show, Politics Unright, is dedicated to doing just that, empowering people and trying to tell people, no, the government is really you. I mean, you would not imagine how many people say, Government is doing this and government is doing that. And I turn it around and I say, you mean that's what you're doing to people? You mean that's what you're... No, I mean the government. that, And I said, who's controlling the government? Those corporations. And who give, gave those corporations the power to control the government? Guys, you have to assert your worth. You have to assert your power. I I, I love this discussion. I love what Melanie is doing with the People podcast. I love what author is doing with the with the movies that he's putting out. But man, we got to work better at actually pushing the message and making sure it gets there. David, tell us about some passports and tell me some more. Well, sure. I mean, just to follow up both on what uh, Melanie and Arthur were saying,
4: if our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are not being met, if they're not fulfilled, we, the people, have the right to create new government. That's what the Declaration of Independence said. We really need a Declaration of Interdependence,
0: one where we, the people of the planet, come together. And that was what wow, Gary- I like that. The declaration <laughs> of interdependence. Uh hey, did did you give Arthur that, that line to put in one of his movies, man? Maybe <laughs> maybe on the the hopefully there's going to be
4: uh uh more films, more shows that relate to this story of World Citizen Number One, and maybe something like that will appear in, in one of those shows. Um but yeah, no, the, the point of me saying that, not just to have a sound bite, but to say, really, we have one home it is planet Earth. It is our only home. We can't yet easily get out into space. So if we don't protect it here, like Gary said to me, David, um, if you had, uh, if you were given a choice to uh, die to save humanity, would you? And I'm like, hmm. So it was sort of a trick question because the point is, if I don't die, uh, you know, to save humanity, humanity is going to die. But if humanity dies, I'm going to die with it anyway. So but I like to turn that around and make it positive and say, why, quote, unquote, fight and die for a country when you can love and live for humanity and the earth? And that was really what Gary Davis was all about. That's really what the work at World Service Authority is is about. In fact, that this passport behind me or, or here it is actually in my hand, this world passport, in a sense, is a tool of love a tool of peace, a tool of human rights that brings people together. And if I if I can take it just a quick moment, I just I would love to read just this short email from a, a fellow, which to me just says, says so much about the situation we're in. And, and so I'm gonna change the names to protect this person's uh, situation. But he says, hi, my name is Ivan. I'm in the center of Kiev, in the very center of the war in Ukraine. I came here before the war and found myself in captivity of my own house since going out in the street is deadly. I am from Russia. I have Russian citizenship, and at this time I am risking getting shot in the street if I show my passport. I am against the war in Ukraine. I supported the Ukrainian army because now they will not accept me in Russia either. All my life, I considered myself a man of the world, and I fully share the ideology of your organization. I always wanted to get such a passport, but there was no reason. It, seemed that day, it seems that day has come. In connection with recent events, I would like to give up my Russian citizenship. And as a matter of principle, use your passport until I receive asylum in another country. Please tell me, can you help me?" So it's that kind of letters. we're getting and and requests from both people in Russia, as well as this person was a a Russian person in Ukraine, as well as Ukrainians. But that's not it. I mean, we get letters from the Rohingya refugees who fled Myanmar, uh, Yemeni refugees who fled. Uh, I mean, why are we just talking about Ukraine now when there's all these other wars that are still going on? You know, Central African Republic in Ethiopia, um, in Afghanistan still, Uh, violence and war is going on every day. And it's the system that we need to change. We, We need to rule the law uh, I'm mean, real the rule of the world by the force of law not by the law of
0: force i love that before before i go to uh, to author um uh, that world passport does it have any legalities be, uh, behind it yes of course
4: uh, the legality can be found both under international uh, treaty law customary international law and actual usage so the, the world passport gets its Uh, basic underpinnings from Article 13 and Article 6 of the Universal Declaration of of Human Rights. Here's here's what it looks like, and and anyone can request a copy of it from us. Uh, Article 6 says everyone has the right to recognition everywhere as a person before the law. So everyone, everywhere, that's all humanity, right? Uh, And Article 13 says everyone has the right to uh, freedom of movement and residence within the borders of each state, and everyone has the right to leave any country. So when you put those rights together, it means we
0: humans have the right to travel
4: freely. So my question, my, I repeat my question: Can I
0: take that world passport and go to any country in the world? Well, certainly that would be the ideal
4: goal. If if uh, it's we're not there yet, uh, so I would have to tell you, there's been about 96 percent of all countries have actually stamped world passport holders' passports with visa entry and exit stamps but not all the time. And that's why World Service Authority has a legal advocacy team so that if someone is detained at a border or if they're refused entry or refused a visa, we jump into action uh, writing legal letters or legal briefs to support those people. I have to say, it's not always recognized. Gary Davis would say, look, it is a tool, like any tool. Like if you go to the hardware store and ask the hardware store owner, does that hammer on the shelf work? The hardware store owner is going to look at you and it's kind of funny and say, well, if you know how to take a nail and (laughs) hammer two pieces of wood together, just like any tool, you have to you have to know how to use it. You have to know what your rights are, because if you don't know your rights, you can't claim them. And it's not always easy, but we share we give everyone a copy of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in their language when they apply. So what I like to say is people become a human rights educator, a human rights activist. when when they're using this document. So certainly it may not be for everybody. Uh, And so it's a question of education and training of both the people who are using this, but also the people to whom they present it, meaning the border officials and immigration officials and and ministries of, of countries to let them know that they actually have obligations, not only under the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, but under the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, which almost all countries of the world, even the United States, has ratified, meaning there are certain rights like our right to freedom of travel and our right to identification that must be recognized. Uh, whether you know you claim national sovereign, you know uh, national security or other uh, issues, everyone still has those rights. They just have not been fully realized in the world we're living in today.
0: Okay, I'm going to go to Ken and 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 Ken. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm to end with Ken also, but I want him to. He's he's been saying I want to say something. I want to say something. So I want to get to Ken. But sure. I want to warn both sure. of you, uh, both David and Melanie Ken. Has done this with me. I mean, Arthur has done this with me before. Be thinking of the thing that you would have liked me to ask you that I hadn't asked you because it's the last question to each. So anyway, Ken, uh, let it's me hear what good. you're trying to say, and then I'll come to you last for that last yes. question, which means you yes. get a little bit more time than it's, anybody else to come up with something. <laughs> Go ahead. It's a, it's Arthur Ken, I guess. By the way, as, and uh, I was just going to
5: say in in light of David's letter that I spoke to. Uh, uh, The president, Lance Burgess, who was the first head of state of Lithuania, which was the first country to break away from the Soviet Union, and they did it with a singing revolution where only seven, like less than 17 people or so got killed rather than all these other people. And they succeeded in in defeating the the incredible Soviet army just because they kept greeting them (laughs) everywhere they went with their tanks and everything with people singing and no one would fight them and they couldn't do anything. And they finally had to just leave. But anyway, once he broke away. He said the only passport he had was this Russian passport, and he wanted to travel. So Gary Davis gave him a world passport two weeks after he became uh, head of state. And he said, I I interviewed him. He said, I went to, he said, so I wanted to travel. I wouldn't use my, the, the old Soviet passport. So he said, I go to the border. I give them the world passport. And they stamp it. He laughed. You know that was so great. And he actually traveled uh, with the World Passport. And they are actually uh, two of the heads of state of breakaway nations who use the World Passport as their as their only passport. So uh, it, it is very relevant to the struggle that's happening right now uh, in the world with Russia. And again, it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong in any of these wars. There's always a right side and always wrong. And every t- every country, it's always the other guy who's the right side and the wrong side, and they're the right side. If we have to come. To a system of world law, we have to change the system, not change the players. It's not bad apples; it's a bad system.
0: We're running on time now, author. And by the way, I do know your author. Please uh, don't, 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 don't. I, I keep doing Ken because the K is right there. <laughs> but I do know who I'm talking to. Thank you very much. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, let's let's see. Melanie, give me your closer.
3: Yes. What would you so like as- me to ask you? Oh, well, as as Arthur said, the system is what we need to change and it needs to we need to have world law. We need to have murder illegal. Wherever in the world All over the planet It's illegal And I'd like to invite people We have a a fantastic opportunity Uh, One of the cornerstones Of moving from a domination system Is stories And that's what we have An amazing story about Gary Davis The world is my country It's going to be playing on Link TV Broadcast to 31 million people And uh, you can be a sponsor So we have one minute only For people that they can be a sponsor Before the movie So contact us I'll go ahead and give us uh, give you our my our email. It's futurewavefilms at gmail dot com. Join us. It's uh, quick, quick, quick. It's this year. So we need uh, we're going to get our sponsors uh, quickly and, and we're going to get it out to the world. So thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Go for
4: it, David. Yeah, sure. Well, we most t- mostly talked about law today and the lack of law at the world level. But I want to know uh, for the your viewing public, what does it mean to be a world citizen? And people might fear that term because they might think that that means giving up some lower or other allegiance, but it's not. When you, for example, register as a world citizen through World Service Authority, you're not giving up anything. You're just adding that higher awareness of our link to humanity and the earth. As world citizens, we have rights and duties to each other and to the planet, and whether it's war, whether it's climate change, whether it's injustice or nuclear weapons, or you name any of the pandemic, any other global issue, unless we start dealing with those global issues as world citizens, as human beings first, then nothing else will matter. We have to come to those solutions that are global, that uh, link us all as world citizens together.
5: Close her out, Arthur. (laughs) <laughs> uh well i would uh, say the question is how can i get to see this movie and yes you can go to the world is my the uh you can click on where to watch and you can uh there, there are several ways that you can watch it from right from there. And you can also email Melanie, as she mentioned, if you want to be one of the sponsors and supporters. If you're going to be a sponsor or supporter, we'll we'll give you a free link to, to watch it. So you can come aboard and uh, join us. There's both the TV version that's uh, one hour, a little less than an hour. And then there's the full theatrical version that's even better and has some much more about David and the world passport and so on in it. So we encourage you to watch that version. Uh, and so, uh, yes, uh, join us watch the film and discover your power as how you can be the key in helping to create the people power planet. The young people today can be the, can be the Dolly Dolly and and James Madison's of inventing a whole new way of running our world. It didn't stop in 1776. We, the people have to invent government. It said, Jefferson said that, and we all, he said, (laughs) and we've got to do it folks.
0: Arthur Canigas, David Gallup and Melanie Bennett. Thank you so kindly for having been on politics done right i i will definitely do this again thank you
3: thank you so much wow thank you
0: you can listen and/or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at Facebook.com/slash Politics Done Right or on YouTube Live at PoliticsDoneRight.com/slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willies, at EGBERTOWILL. IES. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. All Central Time. Please get one of my several Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose politics done right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at EGBERTOWILLIES. That is at Eberto Willies. Let us engage. It is politics done right.